welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. Um, if you have a Bible, uh, go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 7. Oh, we got the flames again. Here we, here we go. Here we go. I noticed, I noticed uh, on the video online, because I'm here and the flame is there, it's like that, um, what's his name, Death? And, that, and that, that Disney, Hades, yeah, Hades, the flame is on the top of his head. <clears throat> it's, like, it's like I'm Hades. So um, anyway, uh, Mark chapter 7, we're going to look at verse 24. Just a couple of announcements for you before we get into Mark's uh, uh, gospel. Um, this, this Sunday is the 20th, so next Sunday, uh, we are having a baptism service. If you have been feeling like God's calling you to be water baptized, um, we want you to scan the QR code because um, I want to talk to you. I want to, I want to walk you through what baptism is. And, and, uh, and I believe that some people really are ready. They are at that place where it's time to follow the Lord in water baptism. And so uh, if you would pray about that, prayerfully um, consider that. Uh, you can uh, scan the QR code. You can go to our website and sign up that way. But this way, um, I'll, I'll, I'll have your information. I'll be able to reach out to you and, and uh, connect with you today. So um, if you feel like God's calling you to do that, we're going to do that next Sunday right here in the sanctuary. Um, this Sunday, though, at the end of service, we are um, launching some new care groups. And so uh, we have a, a care group in Kyle that Jan and Bill have been leading along with Brenda. And um, that's meeting in Kyle, kind of uh, down in real Kyle. Like it's, it's kind of down there. So if you live down, down south, um, uh, you, you, really should, <laughs> you really should check out uh, the, 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 the care group there. Service. We're going to open these doors, and um, where the kids check-in normally is, that's going to be a few signs tables. And we're going to also, um, we're also uh, starting a care group for that pastor Eddie and Priscilla. That pastor Eddie and Priscilla. This is on all of this is on the website. By the way, let's scan the QR code. That's going to be on Friday. Night. That's going to be on Friday night here at the church. And so they're going to be going through along with a small group, a small group guide, and study guide called Shepherding the Child's Heart. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, but if you want to sign up for that, uh, but 
last week, and you can, you can be honest, and you can have the characters actually know your rights. Have them actually know this. This week, maybe this week, this week, maybe 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 this week, maybe
So Jesus, it's almost like Mark is continuing the narrative of Jesus is showing what does and what does not defile, right? He didn't wash his hands right, and now he's hanging out with people he shouldn't hang out with. And he's entire inside, and he's left the land of promise. He's now gone up to where all the heathens are. And he's staying in one of their houses. And he's trying to keep it a secret, but apparently the word gets out. In fact, it says, as soon as she heard about him, and this is a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit. We would call that a demon. This, this woman came and fell at his feet. In other words, she, she laid out at his feet in an act of worship. The woman was a Greek born in Syrian Phoenicia. In other words, she's from that area. She's from the area of Tyre and Sidon. And she begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. And this is, what, this is where things get interesting. Verse 27, Jesus' reply says, First, let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. <laughs> I love how positive and encouraging Jesus was. Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply, you may go. In, in Matthew's version of this story, he says, he says, because of your great faith, so it's not just the wisdom of her reply, it's the faith within her reply. He says, for this, for this faith that I see coming out of you right now, you may go, the demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on the bed and the demon was gone. I want to talk to you today, uh, following up from the same vein that I've been in. The sermon title today is really a question. And it's a question, uh, whose dog are you? <laughs> Whose dog are you? In, 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 in 1738, Alexander Pope gave a dog to Frederick, who was the Prince of Wales, and engraved on the dog's collar were these words, I am His Highness's dog at Kew. Pray tell me, sir, whose dog are you? Alexander Pope would eventually hitch his wagon to Prince Frederick, who was a rising star. The truth is that, that, that everyone has a prince. Alexander Pope was just trying to figure out if, if the guy from Wales was going to be his prince. And he was asking the guy from Wales, do you know who your prince is? There's a, there's a scene, uh, on a, this, this, this was a show uh, called Wolf Hall. I don't know if you remember that, but there's, there's a scene where Thomas Cromwell is talking to his wife and he explains why he chose to work with Cardinal Wolseley. Uh, this is English history. It's a while back. But he says this, and I thought it was interesting. He said, he said, you know what they say in Italy? And then he did some Italian phrase I'm not going to try to pronounce. He said, you know what they say in Italy? You have to pick your prince. And later on, Cromwell's talking to his right-hand man, and he says, the question is, have you picked your prince? Because that is what we do. We choose him, and we know what he is. And then when we have chosen him, we say yes to him. Yes, this is possible, and yes, that can be done. The truth is... We all have a prince. We are somebody's dog. We all have a master. A child's prince we call a hero. A quarterback's prince we call a coach. Coach's prince we call a general manager. General manager's prince we call the owner of the Dallas Cowboys. And in that case, it's like the same guy for all of them. 
Maybe that's part of the problem. I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say. I'm just saying. Because I don't know, does Jerry know who his prince is? Because if you don't know who your prince is, well, if you're just a dog and you've decided to not have a master, we call those strays. <laughs> we call those strays. Those are because they don't have a home. Because they don't know where they belong. They don't know who they belong to. And so every, every dog must have a master. Every, everyone must have a prince. I mean, the actor's prince is called a director. The director's prince is called a producer. The producer's prince is called the investors. Right? And so we all answer to someone. And like Thomas Cromwell said, you can actually choose your prince. You can pick your prince. You can decide who you're going to hitch your wagon to, who you're going to come under. And so today I want to encourage you, as Jesus, I think, encouraged this lady, to come under his authority. Some of us have hitched our wagon. Some of us have, have decided our prince was a, was a preacher. And that got us into some trouble. Some of us decided our prince was a particular prophetic person, and that got us into trouble. Some of us decided our prince was a president... Uh, potential president of the United States and that has got us into trouble some of us have decided our prince is our manager at work and that has led us into trouble the truth is once you pick your prince then you do whatever your prince says and then you receive the reward of whatever your prince can give and I would suggest that you choose to be God's dog today that's my basic message Whose dog are you? You say, well, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a dog. I'm not anyone's dog. Okay, all right. <laughs> uh, the truth is that when Jesus goes to Tyre and Sidon, just to give you some background history into this woman, first off, she's dealing with demonic oppression, uh, possession actually. And that demonic possession is possessing her child, which means I believe the demonic possession, the demonic, the demon had to go through her first because she's a spiritual authority over her child. And so, and so we understand that there is some demonic activity in this woman's home. She's got to sleep with one eye open. Can you imagine having a daughter who's possessed by a demon? Uh, she's got to, I mean, some of you might think you have that. But I mean, like, this is like legit. Like, like th there's a demon literally controlling what her daughter says, what her daughter does. She's experiencing demonic activity within her home. She's in trouble. And she has been experiencing this for some time now. We don't know how long. And the truth is, she's living in a place that is very open to demons. Because she herself is going to worship these demonic false gods. So she is opening up her mind. She's opening up her body. So much of the worship of the false gods of Tyre and Sidon involves sexual immorality. Which sexual immorality opens you up to demonic influence. Because you are willingly going against God, which means, which means you, you're, you're, you're the dog that's barking at its master and running away. So you are fully open to, I don't know, is the devil the dog catcher maybe? In, in, in kids' cartoons, there's always the dog catcher that's the evil guy. I don't know why they get such a bad rap. I mean, someone's got to do it. But, but, but like, so she, she's, she's, she's ejected out of the kingdom of God. She's going on her own. And this, this history of Tyre and Sidon goes back a long ways. 
So some of us may, you know, hear how the Jews, you know, wouldn't walk through Tyre and Sidon, and, and we might feel like, oh man, those those Jewish people, boy, they're so they're so they're so racist, they're so bigoted. They don't don't even want to hang out with people from Tyre and Sidon. Well, there's a good reason why they don't want to hang out with people from Tyre and Sidon, because if you read the Old Testament, God is constantly warning His people against becoming friends with people who are enemies of God, because as you get as you cozy up to them, you might actually start to act like them. And then you start to act like them and you lose the blessing of God over your life. This is exactly what happened in the Old Testament. Uh, Tyre and Sidon is, is located on the, on, on, on the coast there, the Mediterranean Sea. And so during David's reign, <clears throat> Tyre and Sidon decided that, that, that Israel was a pretty good ally. Because Israel was also against the Philistines. Tyre and Sidon were against the Philistines. And so it's kind of like the enemy of my enemy is my friend. <laughs> and so Tyre and Sidon and David hooked up in an alliance. Because David had been taking out Philistines on land for quite some time. Tyre and Sidon or the Phoenicians, they were pretty skilled at the navy. And so they had built ships and they were taking out the Philistines on the water. And so Tyre and Sidon hooked up with David and they said, look, together we will, we will drive these Philistines out of area and there'll be peace between us. And there was for some time. In fact, I think it was during Solomon's reign, David's son, uh, the Phoenicians actually trained the Israelites, donated boats to them, and trained them in naval warfare. So they were, they were very much interested in making sure that, that, that Israel stays intact. But they got so cozy, they got so comfortable, that one day, the king of the northern kingdom, named Ahab, saw this beautiful young Sidon princess named Jezebel. And they decided to hook up. Jezebel was known for her sexual immorality. Jezebel was known for her spirit of control. Jezebel was known. So Jezebel, wants, she wants the blessings of Abraham without the obedience to God. So she says, man, if I can just hook up with the right guy, if I can just get with the right guy, then, then I'll get this blessing. And so she moves to the northern kingdom of Israel. She marries Ahab. And if you've heard any Bible stories about Jezebel, you know, it doesn't turn out so well. She's bloodthirsty. She hunts down every prophet of God because they're saying stuff that she doesn't like. So she's killing prophets. She's killing just regular landowners, by the way, just so that she can get like a vineyard and stuff. Like, like she's a pretty awful person. Like think of Hitler like with long hair. Like that's kind of without the mustache. Like that's basically like Jezebel. She has this spirit that she, she, she wants the blessings of God, but she hates the restrictions of God. And so she fights against every prophetic voice. This is why you can know when, when a Jezebel spirit is in a church because they will fight against every prophetic voice. They will fight against the truth because it condemns them and makes them feel bad. And Jezebel didn't want any of that. And so she goes out and she actively seeks to silence truth all around her. I mean, it got so bad that actually her servants tossed her over the balcony and, and killed her. You know, it's bad when guys supposed to be working for you turn against you. But that's kind, of, that's kind of the way that it, that it was because, because, because she was just so self-indulged. She was so self-focused. And then she led all of Israel into worshiping her gods. 
So she made it illegal to worship God of heaven. And she made these other altars and shrines and made people worship there. And so she led the northern kingdom into idolatry. And it was that very idolatry that God then judged the northern kingdom for. So this one lady basically took out the entire northern kingdom. They ended up getting taken captive because of what she did. She wasn't the only one. Everyone was complicit in it. But I'm telling you, you got to be careful who you hang out with because they will rub off on you. And not only that, but they'll have kids. Jezebel's daughter then married the king of the southern kingdom. She brought Jezebel's gods along with her down to the southern kingdom. And it wasn't long before the southern kingdom was also carried away captive by the Assyrians. Why? Because you cannot enjoy the blessings of God without obedience to God. You can try, but it will not last. And so these are the people that Jesus is hanging out with. The daughter of Jezebel. The area, so there's good reason for the Jews to tell their young sons, ah, let's not go to that mall. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't want you hooking up with any of those girls. Because <laughs> they have their own version of God. And it's destructive. And, it's, and, and, and it, it'll, it'll break down all that God is doing in our lives. And so this is where Jesus steps into. He steps into this, this area. And he finds this woman, though, that to me just absolutely blows my mind. She has so much faith. You can see it in her response. And so I want to look at two sort of questions that come out of this, this woman's response. Because... I don't know that many people that would respond like her. And Ro and I were talking about this. And Ro said, yeah, she has such great wisdom. And I, and I don't know if it's technically wisdom. She does have wisdom. But, but wisdom is not what God's looking for. So if you're here today and you feel like you don't have much wisdom, you're good. <laughs> uh, in fact, Jesus said you need to be like a child to come into the kingdom of God. Children have the IQ level of around a fairly intelligent dog. So again, we're back to the dog thing. I'm just saying, God has set the bar very low when it comes to intelligence because he's not looking for intelligence. He's not looking for a sharp answer. He's not looking for a slick answer that'll get him to do what he didn't want to do because he actually did want to deliver this lady's daughter. So he's not looking for wisdom. He's looking for faith. And if you're here today and you have the intelligence of a dog, congratulations, you qualify for faith. Faith links you up with the purpose and the word and the will of God so that the stuff that comes out of your mouth sounds like wisdom. <laughs> but for you, it's just common sense. And so two questions, two things that come out of this encounter that I would like for us to look at today. First one is, can you accept Jesus's reality? The first question is, can you accept Jesus's reality? Jesus looks at this woman and calls her a dog. And I think most of us would write Jesus off right then and there, right? Because Jesus, don't you know, they, 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 they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And clearly Jesus doesn't care about this lady. He literally compares her to other people and then he puts her down below beneath other people. He talks about the children. Those are the Jewish people. The children, those Jewish people are children. You, however, are a dog. And so we can't feed you right now because we're too busy feeding the children. He literally like, like squashes her ego, just destroys her pride and says, and, but I believe he's inviting her 
to agree with him. Because agreement is so powerful. In fact, if you're taking notes, this is probably the only good thing I'm going to say all day. You might want to write this down. <laughs> it's the only thing I know that I'm going to say. So agree, like, agreement is powerful because spiritual power, both in the divine realm and in the demonic realm, spiritual power flows in the direction of agreements, of human agreements. Spiritual power, both in the demonic and the divine realm, flows in the direction of human agreements. So this is why the enemy, this is why demons will drop thoughts in your mind. He's trying to get you to agree with that thought. I talked about that last week. Think on whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is true, right? And so the enemy will drop things in your mind that are not true, that feel true, but you know are not. And if you will come into agreement with that false thought, bless you, then, then you are transferring, you're, 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 you're giving access to the thing that gave you that thought. And so many of us are slowly giving away our power to choose to not defile ourselves because we're constantly agreeing with the lies of the enemy. And we're, the power flows through agreement. So what needs to happen if God wants to turn? Here's the deal. When God calls this woman a dog, he's not trying to encourage her. He's trying to empower her. And so I didn't come here today to encourage you. I came to empower you. If encouragement would do it, you'd be much further by now. Because all of the songs and all of the Caleb and all the YouTube and all of the, the Jesus calling that you've been reading in your little book with your, with your espresso, like all, you have a lot of encouragement, but we don't have a lot of power. Why? Because we've never changed our agreements. We've changed our statements. We've changed our songs. We've, we've, we've switched to Maverick instead of Hillsong. But, but we've never changed our agreements. And Jesus here is giving this woman an opportunity to agree with him instead of the demonic forces that she's been in agreement with. And it's not encouraging, but it is empowering. This is why in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful. God is faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That sounds like power. The word confess doesn't mean to sit there and, and say, I'm sorry I did this, and I'm sorry I did that, and I'm sorry I did... Confess, it's different. Like in, the, in the original language, that word confess means to agree with God. If we agree with God about our sins, if we come into agreement with God about our sins, it cancels the other agreements that we had already made with the demonic. And it instead opens the door for God's power into our life. So it's not encouraging, but it is empowering. So, so here, if you, can, if you can receive this, if you can accept this, that you are a sinner, that you are a dog, and actually, none of us, I don't think, are direct descendants of Abraham. So I can confidently, biblically say, y'all dogs. All y'all dogs. Who, 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 who? I'm just saying, every, <laughs> everyone, we're all, like, none of us deserve a space at the table. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all are reasons why Jesus was crucified. And that's brutal, and that's difficult to accept. And honestly, that's the stopping point for many of us. We, we want to tell ourselves a good story about our past, so we refuse to accept the truth of what Jesus says that we are. We are sinners. We are in need of grace. We are in need of His forgiveness. So many of us want to be like, well, I always talked to Jesus as a kid. <laughs> yeah, and you also believed in Santa Claus. So, I mean, let's get real. 
while you're talking to Jesus, what were you doing with your girlfriend? While you're talking to Jesus, what were you doing on the internet? While you're talking to Jesus, come in, let, let, let's, let's just get real for just a minute. What defiles you? Will you agree with God that you are defiled? Will you agree with God that you have not only, like, occasionally, it wasn't, because here's, here's the deal. It's like, well, that, there was that pastor, and he really messed me up, and then, and then there were my parents, you know, they were always kind of crazy, and they were doing their thing, and we blame everybody else. There's dogs all around us, but not us. We're victims of dogness. <laughs> and we're happy to tell everybody about how we were so wronged and so mistreated. And so really, man, like you were down there in the dirt with them. Jesus makes it very clear in 1 John, all, like we are sinners. And until we come into agreement with that, our pride and our arrogance wants to be like, well, I did the best that I could. Oh man, okay. Well, I mean, I mean, yeah, who could blame you for that? Doing the best that you could. I guess maybe it's, it's not so bad. I guess you should, I mean, I would, I would encourage everybody to do the best that they can. But no, you didn't do the best that you could. You willfully went against God. You willfully turned your back on God. You had a spirit of control of sexual immorality and you indulged in it. You came into agreement with Satan. In fact, let's just, let's just read a little something from the Satanic Bible. <laughs> Anton LaVey, who wrote the Satanic Bible, said that Satan is the spirit of progress. Satan is the inspirer of all great movements that contribute to the development of civilization and the advancement of mankind. And this is the key phrase, I think. He is, Satan is, the spirit of revolt that leads to freedom. He is the embodiment of all heresies that liberate. Did you catch the lie there? Revolt leads to freedom. So every single time you or I revolted against the God of heaven because we thought that we knew better and that if we just got out of his house and got out, out from under his rule and got out from under his, his reign that we would actually experience freedom. You agreed with the enemy. You sound exactly like Lucifer. Lucifer believes that freedom comes from revolt. Well, he says that. But he knows his experience has been very different because that dog is on a leash. Scripture says he's on a leash and that leash is getting shorter and shorter and shorter every single day. And eventually that leash is going to wrap around him and he's going to be cast into the lake of fire. He knows that his time is short. He knows that revolt does not lead to freedom. He knows that revolt leads to oppression and bondage. Just talk to anybody who's been revolting against God for a few, a few years, a little while. Ask them how much joy they have, how much peace they have, how much understanding they have, how many wonderful relationships they have. Ask them how pure and free and clean their mind and their heart and their consciences and how well they sleep at night. Go ahead, just ask them, are they free? And you're not going to find freedom by, via revolt. This is the same thing the snake told Eve in the garden. If you rebel against God, then you'll be like God. He knows that it's not true though, because he himself... He's a slave. To, Jesus said whoever sins becomes a slave to sin. The question is not, will you be a slave? The question is, whose dog are you? Because you're going to be a slave to sin or you're going to be a slave to God. And Satan is trying to trick as many people as he possibly can. In fact, in the book of Satan, uh, what he, he, he lists the different names. He calls himself the divine inferno. Uh, and, 
Anyway, the different names, and it says like there are four, four Satan, and one of them is a Hebrew name called Belial. And in the book of Satan, he says that Belial means uh, one without a master. And I thought that was interesting. So I was like, is that true? So I picked up my, the, the Hebrew stuff and I, and, I, and I went online and I looked at the Hebrew word for Belial. But it doesn't mean one without a master. <laughs> he can't even get his definitions right. Come on, dude. Like, no, it means one who is without value. <laughs> he likes to think that he is without a master, but he knows that at the name of Jesus, at the, at the dog whistle, at the, at the name of Jesus, his knee must bow, his tongue must confess that Jesus Christ is master. So he is not without a master. He is without value. Revolt robs you of value, not of master. And any time you have walked in revolt against God, you have come into agreement with the father of lies. So what do I do about that? Well, you come into agreement with God himself. Jesus comes up to this lady, and I don't believe that he is... Because this is, this is my thing. As, as I read it, I was like, God, why did you deny her at first? Make her wait. Was it a test? No. It was part of the process. If I want to do something in this woman's life, she has to come into agreement with me. So let me lay it out real plain for her so that she can come into agreement with me so that I can do something in her life. So he lays it out very plain. So I'm laying it out very plain for you today. You a dog. <laughs> you can do no good on your own. There's nothing inside of you that, that is righteous. Even your righteousness stinks. Like those, like those rags in the back of your dryer that collect the water, the, the excess water, the stank. Yeah. Like we just moved Peter and his household, and so I, I just have that in my mind. Those dirty rags. Well, everybody's dryer, washer, it all drains nasty gunk in there. I mean, it just stinks. But that's your best days. We're not going to talk about your worst days. I mean, so if you can receive that, Without condemning, because there's two levels of pride. One is, I'm better than everybody. I'm not a dog. I, I actually had good intentions. They don't know. They, Pastor Harry don't know. I actually meant good. They have, so that's, that's number one. Number two is, oh, I can't do anything right. It's all lost. It's all done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I can't do anything right. I just can't do I just can't get anything right. Man, those are the two levels of pride. Why? Because they both excuse you. They both excuse you from responsibility. On the one hand, I don't need to do anything. I've been pretty good all my life. On the other hand, I can't do anything, so I'm just a big screw-up, and it's just, that's just the way that it is. They're both agreements with Satan. You're agreeing with him in both cases. Jesus is giving this woman an option to abandon those agreements and step into a new agreement. And honestly, man, this, this is key to Christianity. So much so, I was listening to uh, Lauren... Daigle song, uh, Daigle with cream cheese, and um, she. Uh, <laughs> I think I think I have the lyrics up there. I just I just I just thought I would just kind of rewrite it for you so that the next time that maybe you sing it along in your car, you could you could kind of jump into it. Um, it's I, th I, th I, th I think the song is "Who You Say I Am," um, so I guess I guess they don't have it. No, okay. Um, because she, I, I don't know if you guys, you guys have ever heard the song. She says, you say I am loved when I can't feel a thing. You say I am strong when I think I am weak. You say I am held when I am falling short. 
And I would just like to change it. You say I'm a dog. <laughs> and I say I am yours. I say, I and I believe, yes, I believe what you say of me. Yes, I believe. Yeah, I mean, let's, let's just, it's funny. We, we, we take half the words of Jesus and we repeat them over and over and over again. All the positive stuff. We never acknowledge that Jesus called, literally called people dogs. Because that's as important to salvation as you are loved. In fact, he never actually said that. But anyway, um, says the father loved people. God so loved the world. But anyway, so the, the first question is, can you accept Jesus' reality? And that's going to be key to your freedom. The second question is, can you see in that reality hope? Because that's the second part of your freedom. The first part is to acknowledge what God says about you is true. And the second part is to acknowledge that what God says about you is hopeful. In other words, this lady, she, she hears the, 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 we good? Is everybody all right? All right, good, good to go. This lady, she, 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 she hears the pronouncement that she's a dog. There's this picture of the children at a table, children of the Israelites. The bread is Jesus. He's the bread of life. So kids get the bread first, then the dogs get it. She, she hears the picture. She receives that reality. And we know that she receives the reality because of her response. She says, she says, she says but even, even dogs get to eat the crumbs from the children. Meaning, she says, okay, you say I'm a dog. That's true. You say the, the Israelites are children. Okay, fine. Like, I'll, okay. You, you, that's what you say. Then I'll believe it. But, like, the bread of life has been pushed off the table. I don't know, I don't know about in, in your house how your dog eats crumbs from the children's table. It, it's not because my kids are messy eaters. <laughs> crumbs are falling out. That's not how it works. Maybe for you all, you, you, get, you raise little cookie monsters. I don't know. But for us, that's not how it works. For us, it's like my kids look at what they don't like on the plate. <laughs> and the dog comes up because it knows like whatever kids don't like are just going to kind of hand it off. So we've had to, you know, we've had, to, we've had to crack down on that a little bit. We don't want, it used to be Destin. She'd be like, the kids would drop a little something, you know, and Destin would kind of come along, the dog would come along and eat it. Well, why did Jesus leave where he was? In, in Matthew's gospel, it says he withdrew. That word withdraw usually means to avoid danger. So Jesus just had a confrontation with the Pharisees and with the scribes, and he's sensing that there's some danger here because they don't like what he's saying. They don't want to pick up what he's putting down. The bread, they loved the bread of life when it was feeding the 5,000 and breaking fishes and loaves and stuff. But as soon as it started saying, hey, your thoughts are defiling you, your sexual immorality is defiling you, they said, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think this guy needs to stick around, right? And so Jesus withdraws. The bread gets pushed off the table. The woman says, okay, if I'm a dog, you're not on the table anymore, bro. You're down here with us. And if you're hiding out with us, I guess that means the kids don't want you. 
Paul deals with this in, in Romans 9, 10, and 11, and how the rejection of the Israelites opened the path for acceptance of us, the Gentiles. And he's not telling it so that you get prideful. He's telling it so that you know you weren't picked first. He's telling it so that you know he didn't make a covenant with us Americans. He wasn't interested in our country. He made a covenant with one country in the world, and they're called Israelites. They rejected Jesus. And that opened up the way then for the bread to get pushed off the table. And when the bread was, when the kids said, I don't, I don't like the taste of this. They passed it down to Tyre and Sidon so that some daughters of Jezebel got access to the bread of life. So the question is, in the midst of you understanding that Jesus says you're a dog, can you also understand that if he's here in front of you, that must mean every dog has its day. And it must mean it's your day. It must mean it's your turn. Like this is accessible to you. So that, so that you're not just like, well, yeah, I'm a dog and I just will never do any better and I can't ever get any better and I just, no man, like, like so, so, because why? Because then that turns you into somebody who just goes to a religion and you confess to your priest every single thing that you do every single week because you're always stuck in this cycle. Because you don't feel worthy. And even in your funeral, we're crying out for mercy. Oh, have mercy, have mercy, have mercy. No, man, he already had mercy. The bread came down from heaven to you. He's in your presence. His power is available to you. You can be different. You can be new. You can be changed. You can experience a brand new reality. The demonic forces that have been controlling your home can be broken this afternoon. Right now, you can go home and everything be different. Not because you were encouraged. Not because somebody told you you had great value. But because somebody told you that there is, there is a reality that God has. And if you can step into that reality, you will see that God has great hope for you. That the bread has been pushed off the table and it's right in front of this lady. She's like, man, if you're here. Huh. I don't see any Jews around. I don't see any promised children of God around. And, and here's what I see. There are a lot of people. And because so, so again, Jesus is confronting what defiles and what doesn't. Remember? What defiles and what doesn't. Okay, what does not defile is, is hanging out with Gentiles. What does defile is trusting in your history. Believing that because you we're obedient. I talked to some, some Christians for just a minute. You've been saved for decades. And because you used to be obedient. See, Jesus left the people who used to be obedient. And he showed up for people who were ready right then and there to be obedient. So what Jesus is saying is, it's not about your past. And some of us religious folk have clung to our past because we used to have a prayer life, because we used to read the Bible, because we used to serve, because we used to give, because we used to be committed. Then we're like, okay, I'm pretty good for life. I mean, I, I already know. I don't need to go to that class. I already know it. As if knowing it is the plan. Knowing it and eating it are two very different things. And, and Jesus leaves the people who have this wonderful history of communion with God. And he says, man, you're not hungry for what I'm laying down. So let me go over here to these people who have this horrible history of rejecting God. So this is a warning to all of you people that have been saved for a long time. Be careful that you don't get so comfortable with the bread that you think you don't need it. Be careful that you don't get so comfortable with your history that you think that somehow that places you on some kind of standing, like it's a mountain that you climb, 
It's not. It's a relationship. Married folks, be careful. Just because he said, I love you once, you might need to say it again. Because it's a relationship. It's not a mountain. You don't just camp out at certain places. This is, this is a journey of a relationship. And so you don't ever climb to a place that you're like, well, I guess I'm, I'm pretty good. Because it's in that place that Jesus will offend you and he'll say something that offends you. And how you react to that reality doesn't matter what your past is, but how you react to the reality that he presents to you right now, that's all that matters. The Jews reacted to the reality that Jesus presented at the moment with harshness, with offense. They called us hypocrites. Oh my goodness. He just got done calling the children hypocrites. <laughs> and then he, then he calls the Phoenician woman a dog. He's presenting reality. And for some people, they get really repulsed by it. And they're like, well, I, I, my life is hard enough without that guy telling me I'm a hypocrite. I mean, I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> it's discouraging enough already. Come to church, get told I'm a dog. <laughs> it's all right. Next week, I'll call you something else. It was never meant as a compliment. It was always meant as a reality check. And the hypocrites couldn't handle it. But the dog could. <laughs> So that's the question. The, the kingdom of God is open, not to those who have great pedigree, not to those who've been walking with him for a long time, not to those who've led ministries and preached. Yeah, the devil has done all of that. So the, the kingdom of God is not open to those who have done blah, 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 blah. The kingdom of God is open to those who will right now receive his reality and put faith in his power. And she says, yep, you say that I'm a dog. Well, that means you're here. That means you can do something about this. And she calls him Lord or master. So she says, I am a dog and I've found my prince. I found the one that I'm going to serve. So let's just take a moment just right now as we get ready to close. I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to us right now. There's a passage in Romans, I think it's Romans 10, uh, verse 20, that quotes Isaiah. And he says, Isaiah boldly says, I was found by those who were not looking for me. I revealed myself to those who were not asking for me. He showed up to a dog pound. <laughs> and he was found by them. So if you're here today and uh, you, can, you can agree with God about your lostness, you can agree with God about your defilement. If, if, if you can receive his reality, man, I want, to, I want to welcome you. Whether you go to this church or don't go to this church, I don't want to welcome you to, to, to come to membership class or anything like that. I want to welcome you to find your master, Jesus. And his words then become your every command. His approval becomes your primary interest. So if you're here today and if you, can, if you can agree with God and if you can also see that he has great hope for you and if you can also see that his power can actually set you free from what has been oppressing you, would you just raise your hand right now and say, that's me, I feel the need to agree with God. Yeah, and not, not only that, but I also see great hope. Yeah, just go ahead, and keep, go ahead and keep your hands up, just as an act of surrender. I mean, the woman 
laid down right at his feet. That's exactly what, a, it's what my dog does when I come home. He rolls over on his belly <laughs> and says, yep, you're in charge. That's what that means. You're in charge. Father, we come before you right now and we come into agreement with the word of God that we are sinners. We need a savior. And we don't take that lightly. I know sometimes we're like, oh, I'm not perfect. Well, no, I have actually offended God. I have defiled myself. I have hurt others. I, it's not, it's not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, Lord, standing in the need of prayer. I need a savior. And Father, I come before you right now by the blood of Jesus. I believe that Jesus, the bread of life, is here right now. And he's been pushed off the table and, and he's gonna bring some of the Israelite children back. But for right now, the bread is here with us offering himself to us we can be different and so father don't don't even dogs get to eat at some point don't we get full don't we get fed i mean if we're in the house aren't we getting fed we are not strays we are not uh, aliens of God. We are not strangers. We have not been kicked out of the house. We're, we're in the house. And so don't, don't we also deserve to be fed? Lord, may something rise up inside of us that we will not settle for starving Christianity, that we will not settle for, for living a life without being fed from Jesus. And so, Father, we ask for our daily bread. We ask for the bread of life to come and to fill us up. Fill us with peace, with love for others, with joy in the Holy Spirit. Fill us with the fruit of the Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. I'm so glad you guys are coming to agreement with God. And uh, you're ready to take the next step forward, which is next week. We're going to jump into that. Um, we do have all of our care groups starting up. And so um, you guys can go and open those doors. Maybe it'll cool it off a little bit in here. I'm going to open those doors. And uh, if, you haven't, if you have kids, go get your kids. Uh, and if you want to sign up for care groups, go sign up for care groups. But we love you. You're dismissed. Have a good week. Try to stay cool out there. Try to do what you can. Yeah. Woo.